can you can you hear that? Hear that in the background? What is that? That is the noise of, an, of office workers. Oh yeah. yeah. Can you hear that? Yeah. Uh, and why is that the noise of office workers? That's because we're on tour and we're in an office. We're in the office. That's we're in the office of what was the company called? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I we should have really researched that bit because really, we will have to have a look outside. Pretty sure we've got the right place anyway. Listeners, welcome back. This is episode four of season three of the Tales of the Unexpected. It's episode three. What is it? It's called Proof of Guilt. Right. But is it episode three? I'm, I'm just having computer problems. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think it's episode three, season three, and it is right. called Proof of Guilt. Proof of Guilt. It's pr- there we go. Proof of Guilt. And it was set in an office block. This, this office this block. This office block. So we've come to the office block to chat about this episode which we have what we have seen yeah. right um let's uh let's well we've got it well, first of all we have to do the intro music bit of course, yeah so uh <laughs> sounds like i'm on a ship here or I'm in <laughs> i keep hearing it oh right we are on a ship oh no are we do we ever get to go on a ship on tour? I tell you what, we missed out, which we could have gone on the ship with first Mr. Butterball. Oh, Butterball. Yeah. yeah. Bless. Anyway, guys, this is the Tales of the Unexpected podcast. Here we go. <laughs> Yes, so welcome back. We're in the office block. We, I don't know. We, they seem to be okay with us just being sat in the area, in, yeah, like, in an area. So I don't think they mind us, our voices raised or anything like that. Um, now then, here's a problem with this one. Didn't write many notes. No. I mean, I wrote notes, but not many. Yeah, I've got, yeah, I've got almost three pages, but I, it felt like there wasn't a lot of note taking that I could really do. I think of note writing in in three parts. That it's a three pager. Okay, that if right. it runs on longer, it's because there's a lot going on. Yeah. With this one, there's still a lot going on, but I'm writing less, and I, I think I know why that is. Right. It's because, without giving too much away right now, a lot of accusations are made. Yeah. Repeatedly. Yes. The, the same accusations. Yeah. So so I was just ending up going. They say the same thing again. Right. So that that might be the reason why. However, as I may have alluded to there, there's a bit of a crime that's gone on here. So this is a bit of a who done it, this, isn't it? It is, yeah. Lovely episode, this. Right. No so, evidence of Roald in it though. Well, it doesn't have anything to do with Roald. The title screen, the show name, the introduced by none of that. In yeah. fact, as soon as the credits and the uh, title music Straight into the show. We're in. And we look like we're in a sort of... Well, it looked like one of them places that's uh, not a city, but like a new new area, like Milton Keynes or Luton or something like that. And obviously, it was, and that's how we were able to find this place. We put it into the (laughs) sat-nav. Yes, it's not a fictional place, it's real. What you've got is, to set the scene, because you, you have to be... You have to understand this because of location thing. It is a not a massive high rise office block, but it's sort of well, so let's well. say twelve floors. Yeah, I would twelve say. to fifteen 12 floors. To 15. Yeah, yeah. And we're on the twelfth floor right now, and across 
outside of the window, there's a bit of a lawn. Yeah, and bushes. And bushes. Then there's a road, a dual carriageway. Yeah. And then there's a multi-storey car park on the other side, yes. which is about five five to six. Yeah. You can see that from here, in fact, can't you? Yeah, we'll look out the window, and you can see there's the multi-storey. Right, so um, it starts off then where a receptionist uh, is in uh, her desk. She gets a phone call. Bring, 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 bring. She answers it, and whoever is on the other end of the phone is a bit persistent about seeing Mr Chillingworth. Yeah. She says, Mr Chillingworth can't take your call at the moment because he's very busy and he's asked not to be disturbed. A little bit of kind of uh, trying to arrange another time and date and stuff. Phone goes down and then... There's a noise. It doesn't sound like a gunshot, if I'm being honest, but that's the only thing I could describe it as. Yeah, it it sounds a bit flat for a gunshot, but then... But that's, you know, that's, that's what it... That's what it obviously is, because... It's in another room. Yeah, it's in another room, which she... Maybe it sounds like that. She goes into the room. She has to unlock the door from the other side. So she unlocks, and inside there is a man who isn't Mr Chillingworth. He's called George something or other, but we... We'll stamp Yeah, I'm jumping the gun here a bit, but he just says, you'll have to get the police. And she looks at the floor, and Chillingworth's dead dead from a gunshot. And, And I think it's worth saying that... She 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 does move fairly quickly. As soon as she hears the proper gunshot, she's she's up and looking in. She's one of the, one of the best receptionists in this situation I've ever seen. Um, and further to that, as soon as she's understood what the situation is, comes out the room, shouts down the corridor, "Get the police! <laughs> Get the fucking police!" He the other man again, really re- responsive, goes into the room, gets on the blower. Police are notified immediately. Now then, when you say the other man, this is not Stanford. This is like oh, this somebody is a, else who works in the office. Yeah, yeah. So now so, at this point, there's some synth music, which is which is very, very, very eighties. It's it's incredible. It's unlike anything you've ever heard before. <laughs> and um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to overlay over top of what we're saying. Here. So, right. but if you could just hear some of that, that would be. That'd be amazing because it really is unlike anything you've ever heard before. <laughs> He's dead, Charles. And it gets worse or better depending on which way you want to look at this. Um, it's made from instruments that don't even exist in, in 2017. It's it's that. It's, it's, they've been destroyed, do you think, by yes. popular demand? Yes, I just don't understand what went on back then. But anyway, that is in itself uh, a, a part of the story because it's throughout this. I think what it, the music represents in most of the tales we've expected is what you're meant to be feeling. Last week mm, we had mm, yeah. we had oboe representing rogue, we had violins representing mice. Yeah. And this one you've got synth representing dirty cops. <laughs> well they're not dirty, are they? They're just like Oh uh, yeah. Well well yeah, yeah. Just you know So we get the synth music and we then we get uh, Roy Marsden. Who who comes into a lift. 
with with Jack, his kind of assistant, who's played by Dudley Sutton, who's in loads of things like this, and 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 in Lovejoy, he was in Lovejoy as well. Was he Tinker? Yes, yeah. yeah. But he is also back in these days. I mean. I don't want to say he was in the Sweeney, but he's the sort of person that you'd have expected to see in the Sweeney. Yeah, yeah. And the, and, uh, the professionals and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he is that, he has got, where, uh, you know, there, you know these football hooligan films that they have these days? Uh, there's a lot of them. And, and kind of like, you know, they always, uh, if, if, if there's somebody in London who wants to make a movie, it's usually about, it, Essex gangsters or football hooligans. Right? Right. Okay, there's the, the the blockbuster video must be littered with them. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is the sort of Jack is the sort of person who would feature a lot in the eight seventeen eight and eighties in this sort of role. Um, well, um, he ent- he comes in now. You may recognise Roy Marsden, listeners from is is he made the the iconic uh, Inspector Don, Adam Dalgleish. Yeah, as the, one of the P.D. James novels. He did a few of those. Yeah. And they, they were always... This is one of the reasons why I love Who Done It so much is because of P.D. James. Uh-huh. I, I was, I was, I mean, not reading those, but I was... My mum allowed me to watch those murder mysteries. Um, I, I don't know what if they were past or pre-Watershed, but they were always like, you know, six-part dramas that everybody's a suspect. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I just fell in love with that. I think that's what I, I like. I've never read any of that. When I was a kid, I read some Agatha Christie. The Queen of Who Done It. In fact, this it might even be out by the time this podcast launched, but uh, there's a new telling of Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, uh, who's Poirot? B- Branagh. Oh. Yeah, Ken right. Branagh. It's a massive cast. It's Johnny Depp, Penelope Cruz, Jude Dench... Um, there's a few more. Right, yeah, Daisy, Daisy Ridley, it's uh, Ridley Scott, who's uh, yeah, Daisy Ridley's in it. She's lovely. Daisy Ridley. Daisy Ridley's lovely. What's happened to Ridley Scott? He directed it. No connection with Daisy Ridley then. Well, they, they share a first or surname. <laughs> but it reminds me that he right because right. I thought you were suggesting she might be his daughter or something like. No, that. no, no, no. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I said. Daisy Ridley and then I remember oh it's Ridley Scott who... <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, anyway yeah so uh, classic uh, detective yeah. and even to the point of how he fucking swaggers <laughs> it is it's right I wrote, wrote somewhere in my notes there is no wonder why in the 80s the police got a bad rep yeah because this is I mean right or wrong this is no way Anybody conducts an investigation. Well... Or, or, or should, sorry. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with you, because I was a, a defence solicitor around about this time. And uh, certainly, the, the way that they deal with him seeing a solicitor, they could never have got away with. No. Well, there's a number of things, and, and, and let me test your knowledge of, of crime... And, and well, not test it, but <laughs> but get your opinion on it. Um, murder Squad is that a, is that a thing? Uh, he, he introduced himself as <laughs> Detective Walters Murder Squad. Well, <laughs> <Isn't>, <laughs> now Murder in America famously 
um, Kachansky, homicide. <laughs> right? That's what they would say. Yeah. yeah. Of, or, or, you know, Kachansky, FBI. Um, um, when I'm a detective, by the way, I'm always Kachansky. Kachansky? Yeah, yeah. I, I always just go to Kachansky. It's my go-to detective name. Well, it's quite good, isn't it? I mean, it's like... Um, in the, Do you watch How I Met Your Mother? I've seen one episode and, and instantly stopped watching it. Because the, the woman in there, she's called Shabatsky. Um, and, and that's another good sort of name. Right? It's those skis at the end, isn't it? So, um, yeah, so it, it, so Murder Squad, that was one thing that uh, put me off. Um, in fact, rather than doing it now, let's let's hit those uh, pointers when we, when we get... Ow! It's all right. <laughs> I just tripped over a secretary. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying... I was just saying Rather than, rather than, you had to, just for the listeners, Rob had to just put some power into his computer there and uh, forgot that we were in an office uh, and tripped over a second. Yeah, she's all right though, she's not hurt. That's good. So, what, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, so there's Murder Squad, uh, and then I thought, oh, I'll do some other things that might be, but actually, let's hit them when they happen. Okay, so what's your case? So, first of all, is Murder Squad a thing? Well, they certainly didn't have one at Doncaster, where I used to work. Whether they had one in the Met, which probably doesn't even cover this area. What's CID? Well, that's where the detectives work. And that's what I thought this would have been. Well, it it would be. That's what would have happened in Doncaster. So they would have said, you know, Roy Marsden, CID. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was sort of half-expecting. But, I mean, like, you know, obviously they had, used to have Flying Squad. The f- yeah. Uh, so, yeah. The, I suppose they did um, have some squads. Do you want to know some, uh, do you know, want to know why uh, we say COPS? Oh. It's, uh, what's an acronym, an abbreviation of Constables on Patrol. <laughs> is this not right? I don't know. That's right. But what it reminds me of is the scene in, in Extras, the first, the first one. With the uh, Ross Kemp. Ross Kemp, yeah. And he says, do you know what SAS stands for? It's Super Army Soldiers. And it just reminds me of that. Yeah. It sounded, it sounded as unlikely as Super Army Soldiers. I have just reminded myself of a story when I was... Uh, I used to be a trainer, um, so not a, not a personal, tra- not a yeah. fitness thing. No. But if you would, listeners, if you were to see my body, you, you would think, really? I thought that's that's probably all you did. No, I do other things. But um, I, uh, yeah, I used to be a trainer, so I used to have like say, uh, you know, fifteen, sixteen people. Fifteen to sixteen isn't really a gauge, is it? It's ten to sixteen people in a room, and I would you know train them how to do their job yeah. and. Um, we got into the, onto the conversation of drink driving tests. Right. I can't remember why this was, but I said, I'd spoken to a guy a long while ago who said that the way to get out of it, because they do two tests, they, they test you at the scene uh-huh. and then they put you in the car and they take you down to the station and then you do another test. And if the difference is of a certain difference... Then they say, ah, oh, no, we can't charge you on that. Okay, so our machine must have been faulty. So it's almost like a controlled experiment. So in the time you've got to get from the drunk drink drive scene to the, the station, put a coin in your mouth and suck on it 
and I don't know what it does. I don't know what the, the science is, but it's it kind of like it, it, the next test will allow your t- like will will be better results as far as the alcohol test goes. So what I was I was explaining. So that's the, that's what's happened, right? I don't know whether it's true or not. I actually think myth, MythBusters may have uh, debunked this. Mm. However, when I was explaining what the theory was, this is how I said it. Um, if you want to get away with drink driving, the best thing to do is suck on a copper <laughs> and and they when you get back to the station they'll let you off. <laughs> That's how I explained it. And people started laughing and I because I knew what I was trying to say in my head and the words that meant something and then somebody just said to me I was like, why are you laughing? You know, what's that? This is what I've heard. And they said, you know, say the exact words that you've just said and, uh, again to yourself. So I did. And so I actually, I actually stand by it, though. I think there are occasions where you could probably suck on a copper <laughs> and get away with drink driving. Anyway, that's, this is not what the crime is. It's a gunshot room, for fuck's sake. This is serious, man. It's murder. Oh, here's, a go- here's a good joke. Doctor, doctor, I feel a bit quincy. And then you'd say... Don't you feel? Don't you mean queasy? So, doctor, doctor, I feel a bit quincy. Don't mean queasy. We're talking about human lives here. <laughs> now, that I guess that would only be like, first of all. <laughs> you have to know what Quincy says, which I don't. To be fair, <laughs> he was good. He was a good in that. Right. I promise you, that was a good joke. Right. Next. I mean, I would just say, right, <laughs> the two test thing is two tests that you get at the station. The, the roadside test is not evidential. You do, do you then when you do, when you get to the station, you do two tests on the machine there. So if you're going to suck a cup, it would have to be between those two. Right? That's yeah, I mean, it was between two tests, and also, what if? Uh, but the but you, what if she be, didn't have a cup? Well, <laughs> you would be hard pressed to find a cup to suck because they'll have processed you and put you in the cell by that time, and they'll take all your belongings off you. So maybe they're not so dirty after all. Then okay, still Roy Marsden, murder squad. Now then, um, he the, there was an obvious problem with this this case right from the get go, right? Or not gecko, but get go. I'll tell you what, right from the get go, that's one of those phrases. Yeah, it is an right? acorn. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is first of all, there is no way out of the office. Yeah. Okay, and this is all revealed in the questioning of the receptionist and the the guy in the corridor. Um. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a locked room murder mystery. It is, that's it? right, yeah. yeah. There is the main, probably only suspect, is in the room with the dead body. Yeah. A window open, uh, which faces that car park I mentioned to you earlier. That one there? Yep, just over the road. Yeah. Um, a dead body, gunshot wound, a shot has been fired, as we heard we it. We heard it. Um, just, just before. No way out of the door, it's been locked from the inside... But, but can be unlocked from the outside. Then they go into, the police go into the room. Now, the way they go into this room is they have to assume that he's he's armed. Yeah, So they heard a gunshot. Yeah. So Nobody's they, left the room. They draw their weapons, burst in, get down, or whatever they say. But uh, he's putting up no resistance. In fact, he's sat down, stand up, get turn around, they feel him up, they're searching, some, some may say. And he's, and he's being really cool, isn't he? He's being a bit cool, a bit too cool, but still cool and cooperative. He's actually really like um, 
it's nonchalance, isn't it? Yeah. That's what it yeah. is, nonchalance. Yeah, that's Because right. he's saying, yeah, I didn't do it. You'll have to find the person who did do it. But uh, best of luck with that. That sort of, <laughs> sort of thing. So it's a bit of a challenge, but he does lay it down. Um, now then, there is another uh, link to a, a Tales of Unexpected episode here. Oh, you've Which was uh, Lamb to the Slaughter, because in this one, they're really concerned with what's, where's the weapon. And isn't there a phrase for that? Find the weapon, and you'll find your man. Right. It's a well-known thing, <laughs> as we established. Um, and, um, yeah, so uh, that's our situation. No weapon. A man who's clearly the only person who could have been responsible, but, but no way he could have killed him. Is- and he's maintaining his innocence. In fact, in fact, he never says, I didn't do it. He just says, you've got to prove it. Yeah. There is an open window, it, it should be said. I did, I did say that. Did you? Yeah. Right. And so this leads them to, to guess that he may have thrown the gun out of the window. Yeah. So Roy Marsden sends Jack on one of his many escapades <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> and Roy Marsden's really bad to Jack, isn't he? He's awful, um, and it, it appears that he's his superior. Yeah. And he's certainly letting him know that. In just what he's asking him to do, and he doesn't want he doesn't want to wish to discuss anything with Jack. He's just telling him what to do in in a really sort of put down put you down sort of way. Isn't yeah, it? I mean, he, I, I've got notes later on of the stuff he says. Uh, he is just just. Uh, I was wondering where I'd seen Jeremy Clyde before yeah. in Tales of the And Jeremy Clyde plays George, doesn't he? Yeah, and I've just uh, just found it and uh, lost it again. George is the person who is the suspect at the moment. Yeah. Boy Marsden's goading him a little bit. You know, it's you. You're the bastard who's done this. Um, I'm going to have you. I'm yeah. going to prove it. What have you done with the weapon? And he's, and George, he's got his feet up on the table, on the desk. Yeah. Um, and he just says, can't add what I never had. Okay, so they're like, right, okay. And, and, and Roy Marsden's basically telling him he's going, to, he's going to be charging him with murder. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, which, is, which now is one of those things I mentioned to you, that, that you, you, a police, a detective, w- wouldn't be saying that, would they? I mean, would they? They probably would without, without a brief there. Because if you were... If he said, oh, he's, it's in his rights to actually say that, isn't it? Well, it's, it's, it's non-provable. And yeah. If you said it in front of a brief, then the brief would say, well, if you've got that attitude, then you should charge him now because you're obliged to charge as soon yeah. as you've got sufficient evidence. And to then they've only so. got 24 hours to hold him before... Well, like, what you'd have to uh, put it before the next available sit in the magistrate's court or police bail. Oh, because he's actually charged. charged. Yeah. Right. Uh, now, let me remind you, there was, a, there was a film crew there actually tape recording this. So... There's enough evidence. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, Roy Marsden then says, which is the detective, by the way. I keep saying Roy. Roy Marsden says, only you could have killed him. Yeah. <clears throat> now, the gardener becomes pissed off because Jack is going to search the gardens yeah. at the front of the look and he's trampling all over his flowers. Well, Jack's a very thorough searcher, isn't he? I mean... Jack's searching is is something to be admired. <laughs> Which we will no doubt be doing later on. Yeah, yes, absolutely. 
it, it happens very shortly, so let's save that. Yeah. Okay, so he's, he uncovers <laughs> nothing in the ground. Definitely didn't throw it out the window. Right. Then the forensics arrive. And, and Roy Marsden is a very cocky detective. Um, and this is the part where I mentioned that I, I think in the 80s that uh, certainly the police, uh, there was a lot of, there's a lot of uh, political um, unrest, I guess. Yeah. The police were part of that. Um, the, the, the miners, you know, it was, and, and even the NHS. But stuff like this wouldn't have helped because there, you know, accusations flying around. And it's at this point, I think, that we actually don't care if George, as a viewer, we don't care if he did it or not. Yeah. We just don't like the way he's been. Well, that's right. In, interrogated. Yeah, yeah. So uh, again, we're getting into that situation where we're sort of on the side of yeah. the possible killer. Yeah. Again, whether he did it or didn't do it is is now no longer my chief concern. All I want to do is see this policeman fail. Yeah. That's really all I'm bothered about. Because it does seem he's prepared to fit him up if necessary. Doesn't yeah. That, that's the thing. Yeah. That, yeah. So um, now I wrote here um, when we got to that kind of similarity between the weapon, find the weapon, find the man with lamb to the slaughter. I actually yeah. wrote down, I wonder if they've eaten any lamb. Uh-huh. Okay, so yeah. i just leave that there. Yeah. Yeah. Now then, um, now, the questioning continues with other people. After, I mean, first, oh, sorry. Do, do, um, who did Dudley Sutton play? Who was it? Uh, Jack. Yeah. He comes back. He's been told not to come back without the gun. Don't come back on, without the weapon, without Jack, the weapon. dickhead. <laughs> but he does come back he hasn't got it and and he came back without it he did but he's sent out now to uh, go and look at the car park the multi-storey car park just over there over there um, and whilst that's happening some questioning happens with our uh, receptionist and the other office worker yeah. now he says after the shot did anybody come in Um when when she went in, she saw him, saw the body, shut the door, called for help. Yeah. So that's her story, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, in fact, we, we saw that. We not, saw not that. Not only is yeah. that her story, that's true. That's true, that's what we saw. So, um, and then the questioning continues with, so then what happened next, right? I mean, they, they do find out at this point that uh, she's she's leaving. So, yeah, so she's leaving at the end of the month, or hoping to leave for personal reasons, yeah. Um, (coughs) She asks, so she's asked what's inside the office. Um, Is there a safe? Is there a safe? She she explains there is a safe. Um, But it's in a different room. It's in a different room, yes, not in the office, yeah. And they go to the safe to see if everything's, because she explains there's there's, um, confidential information inside there. Yeah, Um, but they decide to go and have a look at it anyway. Yeah, so they go in. And then the questioning of George continues in that room there. Yeah, because they've, they've put him in there for some reason. Yeah, they're now moving, not necessarily the scene of the crime, but they're trying to establish motive now yeah. as to why he may have wanted to shoot and then work backwards almost. So we, uh, now this is, and again, the car park, car park search continues. And, and uh, Jack's not looking pleased, is he? Over no, there? because what they've surmised is that although a gunman, a very good gunman, could have set up and taken a shot, yeah. the distance and the type of bullet that was used, it's, it's near impossible 
to have made that sort of because so, it's not a nasty shot it's clean Jack knows that he's chasing the wild ghost doesn't he yeah and, and he's yeah he's not happy because he's got to do more searching somewhere else now again this is the reason now why I I wasn't writing much information because we're, we're going to get asked again of George tell us the story yeah he tells the same story yeah. so I didn't need to write anything so we waste a few minutes of, of well then uh, Roy Marsden sits next to him and goes you're a clever bastard aren't you <laughs> and, and uh, there aren't many occasions on TV where bastard is used but I really love it when it is used it's it's a, such a good word I think it's quite a northern bastard yeah, well it used to happen in the uh, 70s uh, in the Sweeney I mean, I mean to say they'd say it on that every now and again yeah and I, I remember, and I've, I've never, uh, well, I've got this, what happened is me and my mate were accosted by some um, some other youths. And, uh, Viciously. Well, they, they, they called my mate an Irish bastard yeah. and punched him. But he was actually an Irish cunt. <laughs> Uh, right, right. Well, well, you weren't you were Irish at all, right? Oh, right, OK. Right. And, There's your problem then. <laughs> yeah. And I asked him later, I said, well, what was that about? Because we were, we were quite young. And he said, oh, well, it's, it's a worse term of abuse to call somebody an Irish bastard than just a bastard. Oh, right. Now, I've never known whether that's true or not. You don't use it almost, do you, though? No. But did I ever tell you when I was accused of being Polish? I think you mentioned that. Yeah, it was the hat I was wearing that was the, the problem. It was, was one it, of was the... that I am a pole hat, was it? Was it that one? <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a I wore a hat which has got like it's like a hat that covers over the ears. Oh yeah, yeah, that with tassels flaps. down. Yeah. yeah. Is it so is it like one a knitted one? Yeah, that's the one, yeah. Not like Peruvian, I would say. Yes, yes. So what what had happened was I'd uh, I was at Leeds train station. <clears throat> And a man was talking to me, but I couldn't really understand what he was saying. He was, it was too common. He, he was, just, he was, <laughs> sa- he was the same person that he was talking to some girls explaining the days of the work, the, <laughs> the days of the week that he worked, which was he said, I work all of the days of the week except Saturday and Sunday because nobody works those Tuesdays and Thursdays. So we only actually worked Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And then he added, uh, but I don't work Friday afternoons <laughs> as well. So he worked two and a half days of a, of a seven-day week. And yet was prepared to claim in his preface yeah. he worked all the days of the week. So, he, yeah, so I think he was probably trying to chat these two girls up. Yeah. Right, okay, that's that's what my take was. And that, I was just really annoyed by him already that it's like, is a dick. I'm staying away from him. Because you, you could just overhear this conversation. Yeah. It's nothing to do with you. No, I, hadn't, I overheard it. But that's the reason why I chose to uh, pass judgment. And, and and in my head, I was thinking, you, you're an idiot. You're an absolute idiot. Anyway, he came over to me because then there was a note on the platform that said the train had changed platforms. It was coming into a different platform, so we had to then walk. And I looked up as I, right, I'm starting to walk. Then he came up to me, <clears throat> and he said, "I think he said um, it was on the lines of have, has our train moved to platform seven or whatever." And I really, honestly, couldn't understand what he was actually asking. There were some words there, but it was that common. It was that it is. He just couldn't talk properly. He might have been drunk as well. He def. By the way, 
he definitely didn't have a mental illness. Mm. So, uh, what I'm what I'm pointing out here is that this was a person who chose to opt out, right? right rather yeah. than being dealt a bad hand. Yeah. And uh, anyway, then he goes back to the two girls, asks them the same question. At which point, he said, and I understood this. I tried to ask that Polish dick, but he didn't understand me. <laughs> and that was I'm just so annoyed by this. I just wanted to go around saying, "No, I'm not Polish, and nor and nor I'm a dick, and nor I, do I believe that if I was Polish, would that would that necessarily mean I was a dick?" <laughs> Polish people are nice. Anyway, um, so so um, he's a clever bastard. Take him away, he says. So they're going to the station now. Jack is sorry. George is now talking about when he can see a solicitor and stuff like that. And yeah. um, it's not good news for, for George at the moment. It's, no. It's definitely, it looks like they're definitely trying to, to pin him. But the problem is for the police, there's no evidence whatsoever. The forensics can't prove anything. There's no weapon. They are, they are trying to find a motive. Because forensics, I don't know if they've done it by this time or if it, it happens soon come back with the uh, with the reports that say that there's no powder on his hands from okay. firing his gun. Yeah, they go back to this police station. This feels like that bit that returns after the break. Because they now change location. So, uh, we're in this office spot for no reason, then. Yeah, we should have gone down the police, police station, station shouldn't we? would have probably been better. Yeah. Saying that, we also... We have to go back to the police... Th- th- we have to go back to the office. Yeah, we can't keep... No, we're the staying in the office. Yeah. Right, OK. Good deal. Right. Um, it was hard enough setting up in here, wasn't it? Really? I know, yeah. Mm. Especially with... When you damage that secretary's yeah. leg. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, now, back in the police station, he gives a load of people... Roy Marsden gives a load of people different jobs. And one of the cops looks a lot like Ronnie Corbett. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't notice that. And so, just Ronnie, he said... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, <laughs> Jack is, whether this is the same day, I think it is, isn't it? It's later on that afternoon or something. Yeah. He's, he's, he's searching the room. Now he's on the phone and in the background, one, <laughs> somebody's removed one of the walls <laughs> and they're, like, they're about to take out bricks. So they've removed the plaster and a brick is about to come out of the wall, right? Um, he says to him... Um, well, this oh. is because Jack... Has, all, has been back empty-handed again, and he's been told by Roy this time, don't let me see your face till you've found it. He's, so that, again, he's still talking about finding the weapon. Yeah. So now, that's why they're, they're ripping the place apart. I mean, the phone's covered up in debris, isn't it? He, yeah. has, to, he has to unearth it yeah. from a pile of debris. So, so, so then, more story about George's background is he's a mercenary. Yeah. So they, they think he's capable of murder... Um, and now again, they're still trying to. Uh, this is where the forensics evidence comes back and says there's no yeah uh, evidence they, of. And they say it's a zip gun, don't they? So I don't know what a zip gun is, but I'm guessing it's one of those that comes off in little parts. You like an assassin would have a zip gun. Yeah, like uh, like well, like with the man with the golden gun. In, uh, yeah, it, in, in the film, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, made it up from uh, a lighter, a pen. And what else did we have? Elastic bands? I think so, yeah. A, a plaster? Bandage? <laughs> uh, and tweezers? <laughs> and the wings of a bee? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I've just looked it up, it's an improvised firearm. So, um, now, that leads them to think that if, he's, if he could have used a homemade gun, he would have been able to take it to pieces 
And so what this, what he then gets back onto the phone to Jack is... And now, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because Jack is... He, his head comes out of the like the ceiling, doesn't it? <laughs> he's, he's got... He's, they've taken parts of the ceiling down. And he's, he's, his head's up there. Yeah. And they say, uh, look around the office... But look for little parts yeah. of, of a gun. And this time, he's Ma- really, any bits of metal or hinges and stuff. And he says, "Keep looking until I tell you not to." That's, yeah. that's his instruction <laughs> at this time. It's so to get, <laughs> it gets worse. Isn't it? <laughs> so, so, so he goes off again. This time, he actually decides to not uh, put the receiver down on the phone <laughs> and just chucks it to one side. It's, it's that bad. So, uh, yes, yeah, so that's so, so then when he so he rings up Jack again and says, There is so he rings up Roy Marsden later on and he says, There is nothing. Yeah. In the meantime, they've gone into the interrogation room with George, and, and, and again, it's more accusation, and um, he's talking about because he's found some new information out. Chillingham had was the chairman of a company. Yeah. And it had screwed um, George's dad out of two million. He left it he to him his, his will. He and he wasn't actually the chairman of that company. No. Ah, right. but, but he thought that they were a charity that were working into heart disease. Yeah. So he left two million of his will, like all the, all his will. To but nick the money. But in fact, yeah, Chillingworth had, uh, had it away with it. So... There's your motive. Your dad's been cheated. It drove him to death, and you're taking revenge on Chillingworth. Yeah, which is fair enough. But still, you might hate somebody. But if you've got no motive, so you've got a motive, but you've got no way of doing it. You can't prove it. You could possibly take that to a jury. I think you could. Um, But I don't. I I say without a jury saying there was no gun on site. We searched him. We searched everywhere. We searched in the ceiling. There was we searched behind the wall. <laughs> we there, was no, there was nothing. And the most logical explanation is that a very good sniper has gone through this window. I think that's the prosecution. So that's the defence I will be. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, now then, more evidence comes back because he he now wants to, Roy Marsden now wants to speak to the secretary. The secretary, and. He's, he's received something that suggests there is a link between George and the secretary, yeah. or the receptionist, I should say. So, Jack brings the secretary in, and we discover that uh, she wasn't leaving for personal reasons. It was either she left, or she was going to be fired for passing confidential information onto an outsider. Yeah, and so the... So that's the, that's the reason why she wasn't held in regard. But also, she, the links that she had with George is that she was communicating with him. She well, she contacted him. She she well to say that his father was being cheated. Yeah, that's right. And then so that that's obviously the confidential information we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. She has in turn alerted Fraud Squad, which yeah. has started the investigation on the company. And what her plan was was to bring in the two together and trying to find some sort of mutual, you know, yeah. win-win. So she sort of denies any involvement or prior knowledge of the killing. Certainly she she has not tried to antagonise anything. Yeah. So 
So we're left, still left with no notable link. All the time, by the way, while she's been t- spoken to in the station, is George has been brought in, <laughs> and he's just and every time there's a kind of like loose end that's he's, he's, been closed down, he just kind of goes, "Yeah, best of luck with that," or whatever. It's, <laughs> it's just he's just having a whale of time with this innocence play. So um, yeah, so then. Um, they can't charge her. They, they now know that this motive... Oh, yeah, by the way, her motive... Sorry. Her... I, um, it was her who called in the fraud squad. That is now verified yeah. uh, by fraud squad. So Roy Marsden apparently comes to the conclusion, well, that's it then. That's I'm it. Gonna have to let her go. Yeah, he, he has to let her go. The solicitor now is, for the, for the defence, for George, is saying, are you going to... What are you going to do? When can I see my guy? Yeah. Because you can't hold him on, on this right yeah. now. Whereas, in fact, he would have been saying, why have you not let me be in on the interviews? Yeah. Like he's asked for me, have been here available. What, I mean, there are grounds that, you, that they could deny it, but they're very, very strict. It's only happened to me once, and that was dubious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's what it would happen. Yeah. But what he says, so he has to let, uh, let him go. And he says, wherever you go, wherever you do, I'm going to be there. Now, that's a song, isn't it? Wherever you go, <laughs> whatever you do. By Richard Marks and apparently John Barrowman, in separate incarnations. I imagine Barrowman would have sung it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it made, it made me think of that. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it then. That's the end. We have a, a bit of an epilogue then. Yeah. Because uh, we're... Now then, the, the phrasing here is... So make of this what you will. Jack comes in to Roy Marsden's office and says, do you remember that case from last October? Yeah. So I'm thinking we're into spring, maybe even summertime. Yeah. It could even be October. Again, yeah. And he's saying, remember that case from last October? Stanford, he says. Stanford, he says, oh yeah. I don't, I don't and I think... That. What you mean... The murder that we never solved. And I think Jack's looking really quite smug and pleased about this. Because he he's had so much stick looking for the murder weapon. Notice how smart is Jack, Jack is in this. Yeah. Do you think he's had a promotion as well? Oh, maybe. Because he's, he, he's sort of run around, didn't he? That's in, right, yeah. Uh, in like... He was but back then, wasn't he? And yeah. Now maybe he's doing his own ordering yeah. around. So but he looks happy, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he's got in his hand the poster that he's pinning up on the wall as he's explaining. Remember... Well, he goes, I know what happened now. Yeah. So he's weird to tell. Yeah. And I looked at the time on this, and I'm thinking, well, we're at 25 minutes here. Mm. So this explanation better be good. And what he says, he, he, the, the poster is for a circus, circus act. Because it had been mentioned that he'd worked in a circus. That's right. Earlier yeah, on. Yeah. Uh, it's for a circus act, and when you scan down the poster, there's a picture of George, Yeah. and it says he's the human, what? Like, something or other. He's got an indestructible stomach. That's right, the yeah. iron stomach. Iron stomach. Which means he can eat anything. Glass, shrimp, bits of metal. Do you think he can eat the tails of shrimp? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And metal, and Rob. Metal. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, right, yeah. yeah. What does that mean? Well, what it means is, apparently, he's eaten the gun. Right? He's eaten the gun. But, how quick has he eaten the fucking gun? Yeah. Because we established at the beginning of this, and I asked you this question for this very reason. 
didn't she get quickly from her desk to the door? This is this is pretty much what happened. Uh, mis- Hello? Uh, Mr. Chillingworth? Yeah. Mr. Chillingworth rustles around, gets the keys. Mr. Chillingworth opens the door, opens the door. You better call the police. Yeah. That is... As- right, I can't even eat a burger that quick. <laughs> I can't. I mean, I like it, but if I was rushing, I'd be like... Excuse me. Oh, oh, one you of better those, call the police. One of those uh, McDonald's thick shakes. You never get to. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so there's no way. Even if he is the iron stomach, there's no way he could have eaten a gun. Right. In the time it took her to get to the door. What you have forgotten is that this is the, the basic rules of the tales of the unexpected. Is that it's the opposite of expected. Uh huh. Now you're expecting. A struggle with eating the gun. Uh-huh. But if you think about it, no, it's absolute bullshit, isn't it? <laughs> there is no way that at 25 minutes, that this is the ending that it deserved. Uh, In fact, I don't know, I'm not too sure if there's a book accompanying this, but let's, let's, let's say that there is, and let's, let's work out what that ending could have been. Um, the thing is, what then happens is that... Uh, he tears up the poster. He rips it in a rage, doesn't he? Yeah. But what's his problem? He's well, that got... would be an evidence. He, would... <laughs> well, he just said, right, let's get over to Australia. Because I've got reason to believe that this is what happened. Yeah, he's eaten the truffing thing. So how would you be able to... Is there a way of being able to uh, prove that you'd eaten a gun a year ago? No, you'd have to do it on... Um, circumstantial evidence. So you would, got, she would then take it to trial, yeah. present that information, have the poster, and then say, this is what happened. He's got a motive. To a jury. He's got a motive for it, we know that. He ain't got away with this, has he? No. But the, the copper is so blindsided and also a, aggressive. <laughs> it's just heated, isn't he? Yeah. Well, what I can tell you is, listeners, that when he is Adam Dalglish... He is a very different copper. Is he? He's a very different copper. He's he actually has a relationship with somebody in it. I don't know. I think she might have been a suspect. But um, I, well, I'm just looking at what you're trying to copy everything on the page. <laughs> Why are you copying everything on the page? I, that was an accident. That. <laughs> but you did it two times. Because <laughs> what I've been looking for is where this fella appears again. <laughs> Still. Still. <laughs> and I found it. Oh, what is it? It's later on in this uh, in this series. Uh, in oh, he said it was that, yeah. In one called uh, The Best of Everything. So uh, I'm, I'm glad to have found it. And wh- what's when's that happen? Is that's in five episodes time? Oh, I'm oh sorry, no, it's in series four. Series four. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's quite we're quite quite a way to go until we get there. Yeah. About ten episodes. And. Yeah, well, it's what well, I tell you. What we've also got to get through before we get there. Not the turtle one. Yeah. Oh, good God. <laughs> and we have to do it. But we, we do, do. Yeah. I'm wondering if we do a twofer. We do. We briefly mention that episode, and in the same episode, we do what? Oh, let's let's just let's see what happens when we get to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look. <laughs> um, have you had a nice day in the office? Yeah, it's been a while since I've been in the office yeah, like this. Yeah, and again, I apologise to that secretary for uh, yeah. for that. But yeah. uh, she, say she's not hurt. No, um, 
It's been nice there. It's nice view of the car park yep. from over here. Yep, and that sniper sitting on the, the ledge <laughs> there. Yep. Um, yeah, I've enjoyed myself. Um, I would recommend Aircon, though. It's got quite yeah. a It's not like the farm was last week, is it? No, no. And on the, on the note of um, d- locations, where are we next week? Well, next week uh, we are... In uh, are we in New York next week? So, what's the episode called? This is uh, two out-of-work actors in New York set up a scheme whereby they take revenge on a newspaper critic. Well, that's a long name for a title. So, what? What? Surely that's the description rather than the title. Yeah. Sorry, did you ask for that? Yeah. Vengeance is mining, and uh, Roald's got a credit for this. And what is his credit? Writer. Excellent. Maybe it's introduced by him as well. Then. We, well, well um, that that I like this one. I, I, I sort of remember this one that the um, art critic one. Yeah. Is it art critic? It was play, wasn't it? A actor, something like that, wasn't it? Anyway, anyway, right. Uh, well, we're done. We're done with the episode. We'll see you next week for Vengeance Is My Ink, um, and we're going to have to buy tickets to New York, there, aren't we? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. I'll get on with that. Yeah. To go into the budget, just a reminder for these people that we don't actually we, we don't actually get any sponsorship or donation. So, right, how are we going to do this? Right, anyway, um, that's our problem to worry about for your entertainment. We'll see you next week. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. See you then.